Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where today we're going to go a little backwards. We're going to go back to November 3rd, 2020, and give you a quick update on the status of investigations, of revelations, of uh, court rulings that affect how the election was conducted back in November 3rd, and how it might impact the uh, 2021, 2022 elections. And, and, um, I like to do this from time to time. Listen, there's not any doubt that the election is over. Donald Trump lost Joe Biden won. That's it. That's how it, uh, the breaks are, but the, there is a significant and important lingering issue that is now coming into clearer and clearer focus. And that is that while all the votes that were counted were legal, they were made legal by changes that Democrats managed to uh, force through uh, in their states, particularly the battleground states, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, Wisconsin, a big one. And uh, what we're learning is that some of those states' changes violated the law, violated the procedures of those states. The big one that we've Uh, talked about a lot is Wisconsin. That's where the Supreme Court of Wisconsin uh, ruled recently that um, 200,000 voters uh, were allowed to be exempted from the required voter ID requirements and mail in their ballots without the required voter IDs. And the Wisconsin State Supreme Court ruled that decision by the Wisconsin Election Commission by Governor Evers' administration was not lawful. It was not included in the rulings and uh, legislature's intent. And therefore, 200,000 people may have cast votes through an illegal process. They should have been required to uh, have state IDs uh, instead of just being able to say, because there's COVID, we're invalid, we're homebound, we can't can't comply with the ID requirements. That was a big ruling. Why? Because it means in a state where only 20,000 votes were separated, uh, 200,000 vo- votes were counted that didn't comply, at least on prima facie, on uh, the rules of the state, the laws of the state. Well, uh, we're going to have Phil Klein from the Amistad Project here. He's done the most significant, far-reaching look at what happened state by state in the 
uh, uh, 2020 election. Listen, throw out the idea that machines magically change votes. I, our, our reporting at Justin News didn't find any evidence of that. Uh, throw out the idea that um, uh, some people have had that uh, magical uh, ballots appeared um, and uh, were made up. Uh, there are ballots, as the audit showed, that match for every vote. The question is, were the, some of those ballots cast lawfully, particularly in Democratic areas? And was the process of adjudicating, overseeing the election uh, in compliance with each state's laws? Remember, the Constitution says the legislature shall set the rules for an election. And we now know that there are certain decisions made, certainly in Wisconsin, by the Wisconsin Election Commission, which, by the way, is not the legislature, that the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled was constitutionally invalid. You can't just exempt people from voter IDs. Well, as we're getting ready to have this interview today with uh, Phil Klein, the Amistad Project lawyer, former attorney general of Kansas, really an election law uh, expert, the, a judge in the claims a court of claims in Michigan has given a new ruling that comes almost to the same conclusion as what happened in Wisconsin. This is Michigan. What the what this judge wrote in his ruling is uh, that uh, the Secretary of State Benson uh, gave inappropriate guidance uh, on how to count absentee voter ballots, uh, ruling that the clerks should assume a signature is accurate, even if they have doubts, and only if it vastly differs from the um, signature on file for someone, you should accept the signature. Basically, tilting the acceptance standards to something beyond um, uh, human judgment. You know, basically, give the benefit of the doubt, even if there are dissimilarities between the uh, signatures. Um, and uh, let me read the guidance as it was originally written. The guidance said, uh, uh, it said signatures should be considered questionable only if they differ in multiple significant and obvious respects from the signature on file. Whenever possible, election officials were to resolve slight dissimilarities in favor of finding that the signature was valid. So basically tip the scales and assume that a signature is valid. Now the, um, uh, Christopher Murray, the chief judge of the Michigan Court of Claims, has now, I know it's a long time for now, it's already been four or five months since the November, but he ruled uh, this month that the standards issued by Benson uh, with respect to signature matching requirements amounted to a rule that should have been promulgated in accordance with the APA, that's a state law, um, and absent compliance with the APA, the rule was invalid, meaning the guidance that Benson gave on these signature verifications was, in fact, invalid. That's important. So uh, now, that is the second court ruling in a major state in the upper Midwest. That was a battleground that Trump won in 16 and lost in 2020, where a conclusion has now been made that exemptions, rules made by Democratic administrations without the compliance of the legislature or without complying with state laws were invalid. You got the Wisconsin Supreme Court, now you got the Michigan Court of Claims. These are significant rulings, and they tell us that not all was perfect in the 2020 election, that there were, in fact, processes pushed by the Democrats without either consultation or without the blessing or inherent blessing or um, compliance with 
the legislature's current rules that were constitutionally invalid, illegal, improper. Uh, very important stuff. Now, we're going to talk about all of this with Phil Klein in just a few seconds. He's the head of the Amistad Project at the St. Thomas More Society, one of the most influential voices in going through and discovering what was right, what was wrong with the election, trying to fix it before 2021 and 2022. That's important. We want to get it right. But in the meantime, there's always new revelations. And I want to go back to a story we broke in Just the News. I was part of it back in December. And that takes a look at what we call the Zuck Bucks, Mark Zuckerberg's dollars, that didn't go to political action committees or candidates or 527 groups or super PACs. They went directly to the election judges and administrators and communities, particularly large sums of money to urban areas where Democrats tend to be the predominant vote. One of those areas was Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yes, home to the Packers. That's my son's favorite football team. Um, I covered the Packers as a sports writer early in my career before I turned to news. So I love Green Bay. I have a lot of affinity and love for it. But in the city of Green Bay, there are documents now released under FOIA, now released by sources, that show that election officials were pushed aside by the Zuckerberg money and private citizens, liberal activists, were allowed to uh, take apart, take control of, some would argue, uh, uh, in the counting and oversight of absentee ballots. Remember, this was an absentee ballot election, right? We massively expanded absentee ballots without a lot of time or preparation. Zuckerberg drops $250, $350 million through the Center for Tech and Civic Life. This is nonprofit money by you know, one of the tech, big tech giants. Some people call him an oligarch. And we now know that it had so much influence that a private political activist basically, according to the Wisconsin Spotlight News Organization, they pushed the election clerks aside. That is a profound finding, a profound discovery. And we're going to talk to uh, Phil about that too. Do we really want private money being able to usurp, move aside, set aside, disarm the people who are supposed to run the elections because that's what they were hired to do as city officials, as election officials. Brown County, City of Green Bay, I predict we're going to learn a lot more about this in the coming days and in the coming weeks. And we're going to learn a lot more in a few minutes because Phil Klein is coming here. He is going to inform us about all the things that are going on, the legislatures in Arizona, Georgia, Texas, Michigan, Wisconsin, where they're beginning to make uh, law changes to tighten up what happened in 2020 and uh, what's ahead in the future. There's some really important stuff. But this Michigan judge's ruling, very, very, very important. Keep it in mind. We'll hear more from um, uh, Phil Klein in just a few seconds. But first, we're going to go to that commercial break like we always do. And then we're back with our exclusive interview with the head of the Amistad Project, the former Kansas State uh, Attorney General, Phil Klein, right after this break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, first off, one of my favorite topics, but also one of my favorite people involved in the issue of election integrity. Phil Klein is here to join us again today. He's with the Amistad Project, the watchdog that has done much of the important work uh, with election integrity in the 2020 election and before. Uh, And also former uh, attorney general of Kansas brings a lot to the table. Phil, welcome back to the show. Thanks, John. Great to be with you. Appreciate what you do as well, sir. Well, your your work, whether it's the FOIA work, the, the legal work in the courts, has exposed more, I think, in the last six months than anything in the last decade about the state of our election integrity, about the influence of money on election judges and on the looseness that over four or six years, Democratic lawyers, Democratic Party activists have been able to create in the election integrity, security laws and rules that govern us. And it's remarkable to just see what we've learned. And um, I think the most interesting part is, uh, I call it the Zuck bucks, the Zuckerberg uh, money, the $350 million. We, we did a lot of reporting on that last uh, November, December, working with you and others. So much more has come out. And I think as you look at it, Phil, what do you see, what was really the intent of the Zuckerberg donation process, the civic, uh, uh, the Center for Civic and t- uh, Tech Life. To have Biden win the election, it was to turn out uh, voters in Democrat strongholds who would vote for Biden. It was to implement the David Plouffe um, strategy, yeah. political strategy, right? To to defeat Donald Trump. Yep, Citizens Guidebook to finishing uh, to defeating Donald Trump, which basically Plouffe announced what they were going to do, and then they did it. It's um, that's right. And, and, and the difference is, of course, for your, for your listeners, John, and I, I know you know this, is campaigns do this all the time. That's right. And campaigns engage in voter turnouts. And, and those monies are, one, highly controlled. In other words, there's limits in how much you can give, no foreign money, all of those things. Right. And it's all reported and transparent. And, and private groups do this as well. The League of Women Voters would have a voter registration drive where you fill out paper and and they take it to a county clerk who's got political accountability. Right. Open. They they have to be open. You know, they have to respond to open records and all of that in managing the poll book. Right. Here's the difference. Zuckerberg, the Skoll Foundation, Google and others in big tech gave well over four hundred million dollars to the Center for Tech and Civic Life. And they purchased government to do these things. Wow. So this is government getting involved in partisan activities. Yeah. And in fact, private interests, government was, was unable to do everything that uh, Zuckerberg or CTCL would want them to do. And as a result of that, what, we're, what we have found in Green Bay and what, is, what we expected to find, quite honestly, is that partisan officials in government they exiled their own election clerks, and then they gave it over to these partisan interests to manage the election process. It's the remarkable. Handle ballots, cure ballots, determine what ballots get fixed, and so forth. So it was a very, very aggressive and moneyed attempt to turn our government into a partisan actor 
in an election. Really? And they succeeded. Yeah, really remarkable. So, you know, the Zuckerberg people say, well, listen, we just did this because of COVID and we were, uh, we knew COVID was going to create a unique opportunity. But, you know, I went back and looked, were there any I, were there any election districts saying they didn't have enough money to run the election properly COVID? And I couldn't find anyone claiming they needed more money to do what the government had already paid for them to do. So when, when, when they say that, when they say, listen, we were just trying to deal with COVID, we weren't trying to win the election, how do you come back at them and say, well, that's great, but your documents or these documents show X. Uh, what did you find in these FOIAs that so show the partisan targeting that went on here? Well, there's, there's several things about it, first of all, <clears throat> as it relates to their claim. Uh, and, and, and there are some who claim, John, that COVID made the election extraordinarily costly. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the hand wash, the plastic stuff, all of that. Um, but, but when you go back and you look at how they use the money and what the terms of their grant agreements are and then their communications, it was very clear that the primary purpose was voter turnout. Yeah. First of all, it's how um, the Center for Tech and Civic Life targeted the money. They did outreach. They gave clear back in May $100,000 to the partisan Democrat mayor of Racine, Wisconsin. And they said, look, here's what we want you to do. We know that there's state election laws governing an election, but we want you to go get these four other cities, give them money to ask us for money. And then you're going to design your own plan for an election. And we're going to call it a safe election plan. Now, first of all, that's a problem because the, the Constitution vests the authority in the state legislature, not local governments, to manage the election. Right. Secondly, the state legislature has to treat all the voters equally. So they have a state plan that must be approved under federal law, under the Help America Vote Act, to make sure that, for example, a government is not doing what the Democrat Party did in the Deep South at the turn of the 20th century in targeting white voters to turn out you know, having people go up and make sure that they vote and then suppressing the black vote by not putting polling places in their location. So these these rules apply to state governments, and that's one of the reasons why federal law requires a state plan, not a city plan right. for an election. So early money, they come together, they come together with their plan. That plan was focused on turnout. The communications were about turnout. I'll take you to Philadelphia. The CTCL grant to Philadelphia, which gave that city $10 million, said you must have 800 satellite voting locations or we're going to take back all our money. Right. Now, what's that have to do with safety? It says you're going to be able to do mobile ballot pickup. You might argue that's for safety. But it's primarily turnout focused. In Wisconsin, the emails talk about we can get you geofencing technology to look for areas to increase turnout. And all of this is happening where the Democrats routinely get between 85 to 90 percent of the vote. So who does turnout benefit? The Democrat candidate. Without a doubt. In Philadelphia. The, the election commissioners email back and say, you know what, if we do 800 satellite locations and all these things you're asking us to do, we're going to increase turnout 25 to 33 percent in Philadelphia. That alone gives a Democrat candidate 
100,000 vote swing. And Hillary Clinton lost Pennsylvania by 80,000 in 2016. So all of this big money and this focus on turnout is flowing directly into the urban core that David Plouffe said that any candidate against Obama must, I mean against Trump, must win yep. in 2020, and it's all going to be based on turnout. Now let's go more specific. Let's go into Wisconsin. Beginning in July, the Wisconsin election clerk in Green Bay starts writing emails saying, who are these outsiders? Right. They don't know about our law. They don't know about how to run an election. Why are they here trying to tell us what to do? What's happened is the mayor of Racine, with that CTCL money and that grant in May, reached out to Green Bay at the direction of CTCL and brought in Green Bay into this plan, and they got the mayor. So the mayor invited these outsiders in to run the election in order to take their money. And he starts saying, well, you got to work with them. They're the experts. And this election clerk is saying, a lot of these folks are from Illinois. They don't know our law. They're telling us things we can't do. And they keep pushing and pushing and edging her out. By October, she writes, two of her clerks came to her, assistant clerks came to her in tears because of the bullying by these outside groups. In October, an affiliated organization, these are 10 leftist organizations that ran a shadow government thanks to Zuckerberg money that ran the election. A sister organization called the National Voted Home Institute, which CTCL brought into play. They send a person there by the name of uh, Rubenstein. It's Spencer, Michael Spencer Rubenstein. And Mr. Spencer Rubenstein says, you know, we cure ballots. We fix ballots that are flawed. Why don't you have us do this for Green Bay like we're doing it's unbelievable. in Madison, Wisconsin? Yeah. Yes. Now, now your listeners need to understand what curing is. Yeah. A ballot comes in and it doesn't have the proper information right. for the required by law to make sure that the ballot was actually cast properly by a valid voter. Right. It might not have an address or it might have a signature that's flawed or it doesn't match. Or it doesn't have a witness reason. signature, right? That's important on absentee, right? The witness signature. That's right. And that's, that's fascinating here because the Zuckerberg money was used to hire professional witnesses. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the reason you have a witness is because somebody knows you and they're going to verify it was actually you that filled out the ballot. But if you have a professional witness, they don't know you. They don't. So it, it kind of undercuts the yeah. purpose for a witness. Yeah, and it's so amazing. In any event, Rubenstein says, well, we'll do this. We will handle the ballots. Now, there's several violations in Wisconsin law there. Right. One is, we don't know how he cured them. Two, there's no transparency, no Republicans in the room, and generally, whenever ballots are handled, you need members of both parties there. That's basic campaign law, so that, so that you can ensure that everything is handled correctly. Michael Spencer Rubenstein ends up running. They edge out the mayor so much, she writes an email and says, look, I'm being bullied, I'm being marginalized. The election clerk, right, not the mayor. 
election clerk. I'm sorry, yeah, right. right. The election clerk basically says, I've got to, I can't take it anymore. You're not letting me do the election right. You're not letting me do my job. I'm taking a leave of absence. This is late October. It is Michael Spencer Rubenstein who ran that election. Amazing. We, we have the contract with the hotel that was the counting facility. Right. And in that contract, they say all the keys go to Michael Spencer Rubenstein. Nobody gets a key unless he says they get one. That's private interest running our election. Yeah, un- and, un- unprecedented. And history. we're finding, oh, it's it's um, yeah, you you are absolutely right. And back to your first point, cities claims or the claims that they have no money. We did a study and an analysis. And the federal government appropriated $400 million for the election in March of 2020 due to COVID. Right. Above their other appropriations. And these cities had some of that money left after the 2020 election. That's what our review found, that they they weren't needing extra money. This wasn't a money issue. This was a political issue to gain access, use COVID to gain access to the ballot integrity process. So that's clearly what we found in our review. Um, how do you stop it? I mean, how do we, how do we, wh- what happens now that we've proven, uh, that you've proven through your good work at, at the Amistad Project, that um, a private interest seized control of the voting integrity processes in the city of Green Bay and probably other Wisconsin cities. How do you prove or how do you stop this from going forward, right? making sure it doesn't happen in 2022, for for instance? Yeah, there's there's several things here. And I, I know you know this as well, John, but but our investigation, our, our uh, efforts at discovering what happened in 2020 continue. We need to get the full story out. And the full story involves Arizona, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Michigan, and all the swing states. Right. So we will continue our investigation. We also have litigation that's still ongoing. We have litigation in Georgia and Michigan. We're upping our litigation in Wisconsin and we'll probably file again in Pennsylvania now that the harm is becoming so evident. So we believe and take the position that this is illegal to begin with. And the courts better wake up and recognize it or they've just privatized our election. Um, Then the third option, of course, is, is public policy. Waking up the American people to demand public policy, clear indications this is improper. We believe it's pretty clear. But there are ways for the legislature to express itself in a very direct fashion and prohibit this from occurring. And although we don't believe legally they need to, we think the law is already clear on this. Uh, if, If the courts don't do their job, that's another way to address it. So our litigation is moving forward. Our investigation is moving forward, and we're also in contact with state legislatures about how to stop this. Yeah, that's such a crucial part of the puzzle. Uh, these legislatures, by the Constitution, have that power to set the election rules and to object when the executive branch or a private interest tries to intrude. And I think that um, uh, some of these legislatures, uh, I think if we're being honest and fair, they were a little bit asleep at the switch at what was going on in 2020. But it does seem that everyone has a radar up now. As you look at the reforms, there are two important reforms already starting the process. Uh, in Texas, is a third that you know just got started this week with the governor endorsing some of the legislative proposals. How happy are you? Are you? Let's start with Georgia. With some of the election reforms, voter ID reforms occurring in Georgia. 
Well, they're doing they're doing pretty good in some of the proposals as it relates to uh, eliminating uh, non uh, or eliminating absentee ballots for everybody and requiring a legitimate reason to have an absentee ballot. They're doing pretty good as it relates to the timing to vote, you know, and and when uh, votes must be counted. But they're kind of sticking their finger in the dike rather than looking at the structural changes that are necessary. Um, <clears throat> for example, they're too swift on their ban on private money. It's, it's poorly written. It actually would end up doing the reverse of what they claim to want to do. It really? would allow private money. And, and yeah, and just the way it happened in Georgia. Mm. It states that local... No private money in an election unless appropriated by a city or a county or the state. Well, the problem is that's how Zuckerberg did it. He had the county or the city appropriate the money. It's amazing. And taking taking the Wisconsin example again, where the Green Bay mayor is the one who really accepted the money and then distributed it, that money was so dis, had such a disparate impact that in the inner city, the mayor who ran the election, because he essentially pushed out his election right, with right. Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, had $47 a voter to turn out the voter and to run the election, where in the rural areas they had $4 a voter in the wow. Republican areas. So, so the Georgia bill doesn't do the job there. It actually does the opposite. They need to prohibit it unless appropriated by the legislature. Florida, I, I think it's taken a pretty good approach overall on some of these things. Right. And and they are a good look um, for these changes. Now, I would, I would add this, too, John, and this has not been proposed anywhere. And, and some of it is because we've got to get out there and I've got to have the resources to sell this idea. And right now, in all our litigation and stuff, our resources are being taken up in, in, in other things. But well, it was amazing, and I think you, you're you aware of this. I co-hosted a call, or Got Freedom, uh, which is our C4 right. um, that Jacqueline has, hosted a call with 300 state legislators. And we talked to them about their authority and their responsibility and their power. And they did not have a clue. Isn't that amazing? They didn't. Yeah, they did Well... You know, I've been there, and state legislature is part-time. Yeah, that's And right. the full-time bureaucracy and your leadership often tries to keep you in the dark because it's a lot easier to get somebody to vote the way you want them to when they don't know what their authority is. That's right. So, so a lot of them didn't know that the Constitution vests this authority with them, that they can meet when they want to. This, no state law can override the United States Constitution. So they didn't even know that they could meet to review how the election was run. They were being told, no, we're not in session. You can't gather. You have no authority. Right. I believe the best reform we can do, or an important reform, is that the legislature must have a standing committee on elections that's a joint committee between the House and Senate. It must have full investigatory power and subpoena power. It must meet before the election and after the election. And it should be required to submit a report that answers at least the following questions. Was the election conducted lawfully? If not, where was it unlawful? Two, does that unlawfulness or failure to follow procedure cause doubt in the results 
of the election? And three, should we certify that election? And then the body as a whole must, must vote on it. That's the most transparent and accountable way that we can apply our Constitution. That would be a pretty sure big change, but it, it would create enormous transparency. It also would get everyone vested in the idea that we, we took a look. Because, you know, in 2016, it was Democrats claiming that they got robbed of the election. 2020, it's the Republicans. The truth of the matter is neither side really trusts the integrity of the election. This, this seems to be a bipartisan way to create transparency in an event where everybody walks away saying, all right, we checked it out. It's good. We don't have to fight over it anymore. Is there any, uh, That's right. any engagement on this? Do you see lawmakers starting to move and say, we'd like to do this? I, I hear it, and I'm talking to them. Um, what we have to get is, is full buy-in, and the challenge is this, and you identified it. John, what I learned in the legislature is that 90% of the energy of those in government is to design rules and procedures to avoid accountability. Isn't that amazing? The very thing that Americans yeah. are craving. They, they, they want accountability. And, they, you know, the best antiseptic is transparency, the light of day. That's right. Absolutely right. And, um, you know, that's why we have all of these rules where bills can get buried in committee and you limit the number of roll call votes and all of these things. And in elections, we can't afford that anymore. And it is stunning to me, as it is to you, I'm sure, that the very institution that the Constitution requires to manage the election, the legislature has no authority over an executive branch, lower level official that has a ministerial responsibility. And by ministerial, I mean they have to sign off. They can't exercise discretion that determines whether the election was valid or not. It's just amazing. Well, that is something that uh, seems uh, to be worth getting bipartisan support behind because it would certainly create a moment, an event in every state to uh, go through the issues, make sure that there are no lingering issues, dispel the rumors, confirm the facts, and decide if a vote is accurate or not. That would be pretty historic. Now, I want to take you back to where we started this conversation, the city of Green Bay, where we've done some FOIA work, you've done some FOIA work, very important work. We're... Uh, what where is the state of things? I mean, has have voters have elected officials in Brown County? I'm very familiar. I worked in Wisconsin in my early part of my news career. Uh, the city of Green Bay, Brown County, the Wisconsin legislature. Has anybody taken a look at what has happened in this uh, city? Uh, the turning over of uh, election ballots to a partisan person, sidelining the election clerk. Has there been any fallout, any action, protective action to make sure it doesn't happen again? Well, the legislature is now firmly taking an interest, and there are increasing demands by the legislature for uh, accountability and for releasing further information. Yeah. We are doing that through investigation as well as FOIA, and, and you will see more litigation action by us in Wisconsin soon. So, um, yes, the, the short answer is yes, and there's clearly cause for concern, these emails confirm a serious problem. And and it's unfortunate because the left right now, since they got the result they want, is digging in their heels, yeah. attacking people who reveal this information and saying it there's no further look, it doesn't prove anything. First right. of all, that's the that's the wrong question. 
the question is, does it raise questions, and can we get those answered by getting more information? Yep. They cannot deny the answer to both of those questions is yes. So they ought to be on the bandwagon to require CTCL to fully release its documents, the National Voted Home Institute to do the same, the funders to make sure that this wasn't the designed plan. John, if you have funders and others engaged in drawing up this plan to bypass state law and to give a particular candidate a, an advantage that translates into an uh, economic advantage for a campaign, you have some serious legal issues here. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I mean, that, just, just what's yeah. been exposed by these FOIAs, these emails, uh, it's so disturbing to see the city election Kirk, the county election Kirk, saying we've lost control of our election. Some private partisan is in charge of it right now. That's what the emails say. We're not making this up. That's literally what they say. And uh, and and yet there hasn't been the outcry in the national news media or even the attention, you know, beyond just the news, beyond the Wisconsin spotlight, a few other places. There hasn't been that attention, and we. We've got to get that light brighter and uh, and more far-reaching in the near future so people can understand, because it can't be that Green Bay, Wisconsin, was the only place that this happened. No, it was not. And if, if we have time, I'll give you one more example of Please. the sophistication of this. Let's go to Philadelphia again. In the grant and in the communications, it was CTCL, we believe, was involved in getting Act 77 passed. That was a concern in Pennsylvania right. about COVID, and it allowed for the operation of satellite offices. Now, this is how artful this is. In Pennsylvania, as in every state, the law requires that both major parties, representatives of them, be present whenever the bat and polling places where the ballots are handled and counted. Okay? Now, Act 77 use the term satellite offices, not satellite polling places. The CTCL grant, once Act 77 passed, demanded not satellite polling satellite places, right? but satellite offices. Yeah. Now, you have to understand, the satellite offices did everything that a polling place would do. Right. They had the same function. But the argument then of the Philadelphia elections court and CTCL that they offered them, is that since it's a satellite office and the state law requiring both parties to be present only applies to, quote, polling places, Republicans don't have to, aren't allowed in the satellite offices. Even though they did the same thing. Right. And what's fascinating They were counting votes, it, which is where you're supposed to have observers. Oh, Absolutely. Right. Is that CTCL and those groups have been involved in proposing legislation and the language of it, and then they turn around and require that language in the grant, and it is an attempt to exclude one party. And, in fact, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court agreed with that silly argument, and, and the, that court is 4-3 Democrat wow. and allowed it. Wow. Um, exclusion of Republicans. So it shows a level of sophistication and intent. Yeah, there's no doubt that this was a well thought out plan. Somebody, a group of people 
uh, put together a really remarkable urban turnout plan. And and um, it, it, I don't think Republicans have fully appreciated. I know Republicans don't fully appreciate yet or understand just how sophisticated and far reaching the plan was. And that's our job as journalists and certainly as you at the head of Amistad, you've done such a great job of bringing light to this. Um, what are the next steps for you, Phil? You mentioned you're going to do some more litigation. What are other cities and counties that you think the Zuckerberg plan uh, needs to be exposed and where you're, you're filing FOIAs and trying to extract information? Well, there's five cities in Wisconsin. Um, there's four cities in Michigan. There's four counties in Pennsylvania. Um, there's three locations in Minnesota. Uh, shucks. Uh, Georgia. Right. There's three, three right? primary right. counties in Georgia. Yep. That Fulton Cobb, yep. And all of these... All of these involve investigation. They involve, um, we're expanding our litigation. I still have suits that are active in Michigan and Georgia on this. And you'll see us take new action in Wisconsin, and we will renew action in Pennsylvania. And, and our involvement in Arizona will take a little bit of a different tack, but will involve this. It, the Arizona legislature is going to do an audit. And we want this within the scope, and we we hope to be involved in that audit as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of action that we're involved in. Such important work that you're doing, and it used to be chaired on by all the news media. We used to, in the media, as large, care about election integrity issues. Large amounts of the media have turned a blind eye to it. We're not here at Just the News. We've we've been following everything you do, Phil, and uh, we're so grateful for This is a lot of spade where people don't realize how hard it is to extract information from bureaucrats who don't want to give it up. Uh, but you, you've done a, an enormous public service, and we're, we're so grateful. And we want to stay plugged in here at Just the News. We're adding another reporter in the next week who's going to work full-time on election integrity. And uh, we, we just want to keep working with all the good things that you're doing. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate it. And it's so nice to work with a media outlet that is, is willing to follow the evidence towards the truth wherever it may lead. Yeah, that's it. Rather than have their precast narrative. If, if Republicans done, were doing this, we'd be learned. just as concerned because it's about corrupting. We the, ought to be. Yeah, about corrupting the most important gift that our, our founding, father gave, founding fathers gave us, the, the ability to vote and choose our own government. And uh, wow, so much work ahead of us. Well, thank you for the time today, Phil. We're going to get you back on the show soon and often because you're, you're doing some of the most important work in the world. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. 
So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Kind of fun to go back and look at the election integrity work we did here at Just the News at um, uh, in consultation and with you know people like the Amistad Project and many others who were doing good work all across the country. Again, we're not we're not buying into conspiracy theories. We're giving you facts. A judge ruled in Michigan. The Supreme Court ruled in Wisconsin. These FOIA documents in Green Bay show this is important, significant stuff, and why we do what we do in uh, just the news we give you facts you make up your mind we're not trying to make up your mind for you all right folks we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of john solomon reports the podcast from just the news where i think we'll have some more interesting news to break on the immediate horizon until then have a blessed night uh, may god bless you may god bless this great country as he always has the united states of america give your family a hug appreciate that incredible time that you have with them you uh, you can never treasure uh, time with your family more than um, than you give it. So always remember the incredible gifts in your life. All right. I know I do with my family, my wife, my son. Uh, nothing more important in life. All right, folks, we'll be back tomorrow with a new edition. If you need a news fix in between, you know where to go. Justthenews.com. And we'll, uh, we'll keep you up to date on breaking headlines and all of our investigative stuff. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the... Now disgraced big Democratic fundraiser, uh, Imad Zaberi, and his connections. You ready for this? From the to the U.S. intelligence services. What a big political fundraiser for Barack Obama. Also in bed with the intelligence services. Uh, seems like a thing made for a Clancy novel, right? Well, nope. It's actually true. We'll have that for you tomorrow. But first, let's have a great night, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks.